Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. Final hour of the show already on a Monday. It's Wolf and Luke. I feel like it should already be the last hour of the show. No. It's kind of blew by for a Monday, man. It's like a certain case you just have a lot you want to get off your chest. Yeah. And uh, this weekend was certainly conducive to one of those days. This house is clean. Is that what you're saying? I I don't know what I'm saying anymore. As I told you at the start of the show, the biggest highlight for Arizona sports teams over the weekend was ASU winning their spring game against themselves. And Zach Allen, who's in full, I don't give up. And also, too, anytime Kenny talks, Kenny Gillingham. Anytime he talks, I love Kenny. (laughs) Anytime. That that, that always feels like a win. Last night's Suns game did not feel like a win because it was not a win. They end up losing by a final of one 15 to 110, and the sequence that everybody's talking about today, Wolf, is the final, it's not the full final minute, but it's after Chris Paul hits two free throws. So the Suns Suns are down 109-103 with just about a minute and a half left. KD hits a three, Uh, the Suns get the ball back, Chris Paul fouled, hits two free throws. So just like that, it's 109-108. Right, so you just gotta get a stop here. You sure. A minute, minute eight left. Tip, uh, Clippers call timeout. They get the stop, but Russell Westbrook gets the offensive rebound. But then they get the stop again. But then the Clippers get a, a team offensive rebound. So then they get the stop again, but the Clippers get another team offensive rebound. And then the Clippers call timeout. <laughs> so you right there, you just burn through forty seconds of just letting the Clippers shoot over and over and over again and then they end up uh, getting fouled and getting a couple points and that's that. But so it's the saying, missed rebounds. Yeah, you're saying rebounding was man, it could have cost them that situation in the fourth quarter. The end game scenario, it could have cost them the game at that point. It's not like they lead the whole game. They were just getting destroyed on the boards. They were not the entire game. Um, they were out rebounded on the offensive end of the glass, fifteen to six. I that, believe that was right? worse. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. And I think that's what you're talking about as well. They yeah. could not get a defensive rebound. Well, there's three three offensive rebounds. Three offensive the rebounds right there. right there that were critical, made a difference at that point. And that's what it comes down to, right, brothers? We all know this. It, it, it's it's not always just what happens. It's when it happens. And that's what I think you're talking about more than anything else. That was the fulcrum point of the end game scenario right there. The Suns had a chance to win this game. Pull it out of the fire. Mm-hmm. Rebounding is the reason why they did not or the lack thereof. If I just told you. Going into the game, hey, the Suns are going to be down one going into the last minute, and they're going to allow the Clippers three offensive rebounds in that last minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, would have, you would have just walked away from me and been like, fine, I'll just watch game two. Yes. Uh, Chris Paul could not hit a shot late, but he did have 11 rebounds in the game. Here's Monty Williams after the game. I mean, it's what we needed. Uh, Russ had five offensive boards. You know, we, we have to have more attention. Um as far as keeping their guards off the glass, I mean, we needed Chris to rebound. They had 14 offensive boards, 10 more possessions. You know, I thought that was, uh, along with the stuff that happened down the stretch with, you know, the two threes we gave up, I thought the extra possessions we gave them uh, really hurt us tonight. 
You know, it's amazing when I think of physicality in the game of basketball. I think of rebounding more than anything else. When you watch guys go at it underneath a glass, when the elbows are being thrown, so to speak, um, that's where I think the physicality really shows up so much of the time. Uh, defense, playing tough defense, no doubt about it, but especially when you're talking about rebounding and trying to get position for a rebound, whether it's you're you're on the offensive end or whether you're on your defensive end, whatever it may be, I think if you watch guys move without the ball when it comes to rebounding, you'll see the physicality and just how physical the game of basketball truly is. And that, to me, is the tip of the spear. The tip of the spear for this series. Coming in, you know I've been talking about physicality and the physicality of the Clippers and how the Clippers are going to come in and they're going to test the physicality or lack thereof, some would say, of the Phoenix Suns. And the way they're going to do that is rebounding. That's exactly what happened in Game 1. And that's both good and bad, I think. It's good from the standpoint that Monty Williams can point to it directly and say, look at guys, we knew this was going to happen. We told you it was going to happen. But there's a big difference, base and audience, between telling a human being something that's going, telling him, warning, 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 telling him something that's going to happen, and then it actually happening. Correct? I think we'd all agree as humans there's a big difference in that. This is good because it reinforces everything that I know Monty's been telling them. But you have to learn from it and fix it now. Correct. It can't be like, well, game two, see, I told you guys, if you didn't listen, we'd Correct. be in trouble in game two, and now we're down 2-0. And like, you you got to do it now. Because I thought about what you you have been very consistent uh, leading up to the series, that it was the physicality of the Clippers that, that concerned you most or that you were going to be keeping an eye on. And, I, and yep. I, I felt like the Suns did a good job with that in the sense of there were a couple physical plays in the game. The Suns didn't back down. The free throw discrepancy, the Suns actually shot more free throws, and I do think that's partially the effect of having Kevin Durant on your team now. But either way, it's not like there was some horrible free throw discrepancy in the Clippers' favor. Officiating wasn't an issue. It's never perfect, but it wasn't like an issue yesterday compared to what we've seen. Correct. But you're right on the rebounding. That That's where it really manifested itself for the Clippers. And again, it wasn't like, you know, 15 to 6. That, that's pretty bad. It is. Offensive rebounds. Plus 9 for the Clippers. Yeah, that that's not good. We'll, we'll definitely put that in the not good category. <laughs> that's not good. Russ had 5 himself. Plus 9 on the offensive glass. And it's because of the second chance points, of course, that the Clippers got because of that. But go back and watch the tape and you'll see who was more physical. It was the Clippers, including Russ, Russell Westbrook, including Westbrook. He was more physical. Sun's got to address this. Monty just pointed it out. KD pointed it out. We played the clip earlier. That's basically 10 more possessions for the Clippers. So you just, even if you just figure they score on half of them, and even if you don't even ever give them a three pointer in those half, that's 10 more points they got just because they were out rebounding you, right? And that's probably conservative estimating. The, um, the total rebounds were 49 42 LA. Right. If you're just looking at DA, he didn't have an offensive rebound. So 
10 players in the game had at least one, and many Clippers had multiple. So 10 players in the game had more offensive rebounds than D.A., and five players in the game had more total rebounds than D.A. Uh, Zubats, Russell Westbrook, uh, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul had had 10 himself. And you know, there's no oh, Mason Plumlee off the bench at 11 in 18 minutes. Yes, that's the most infuriating of all of them. Yes, it is. And once again, why? Why is that? Because Mason Plumlee came off the bench with the idea. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be physical and it's going to be down here where I'm physical, meaning down low, of course. Rebounding once again, and this is where DA you brought him up, but this is where DA needs to drive the spear into the ground, metaphorically speaking, and say to himself, You shall not pass. He's got to embrace this role for this team, or the Suns are in trouble. He doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody's saying that loss was all him, but this is where he needs to be a positive for them. This is his job. This is his most important job, I would say, right now on this team, the way it's currently constructed. Uh, All right, when we come back, the Suns also got very little production from the bench, and they went with an 11-man rotation, and there's three other names that might get thrown in there uh, tomorrow. So we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. It's going to be real interesting to see what this rotation looks like tomorrow night off the bench for the Suns, Wolf. Rotation? Yes, rotation. What do you mean by that, Luke? <laughs> so this is we what we know. We don't need no rotation. Just run five guys out there all game? Yeah. I mean, what, what KD played 45? Booker played 43? <laughs> I mean, they basically played the whole game. CP played, I believe, 39. 39, yeah. yeah. But he had a weird game, too. Like, Russell Westbrook, we played the clip of Brian Windhorst saying Russell Westbrook had one of the strangest playoff games ever because he was a, an absolute mess shooting the ball, but then made up for it in other ways. Like Chris Paul was 2 of 8, so it's not like he took a ton of shots, couldn't make anything down the stretch, but then also had 10 assists and 11 rebounds. Chris Paul was their leading rebounder. <laughs> like he just How many he, offensive rebounds did he have? Just one. Okay, I thought it was more than that. Nobody on the Suns had more than one except Jock okay. Landale had two. Okay, Jock Landale. Okay, great. See, that's why I don't think Landale had a miserable game. He yeah, had two offensive what? rebounds in eight minutes. He didn't shoot the ball with the kind of authority that I thought he would. That's Who? just me. Chris Paul He only shot Landale. it three times, oh, yeah. but yeah. he looked like he short-armed a couple of them right there. That's just me. But well, you've got to be confident, of course, going in. But there's one way to be confident for sure, and that is to succeed. <laughs> and when you succeed, suddenly <laughs> you get that kind of confidence. Otherwise, it's a false confidence, brothers. It's not It's not fair, I know, to, to carry over what happened last year and say, well, you know, here we go, same old sons in the playoffs, because A, the year before they made it to the NBA Finals and won two games, and, and B, this is a much different roster than it was last year. But at the same time, it's hard to... To just look at what happened last night and be like, well, 
I guess that's just totally fine. They'll win the next four. You know, they, they, now they've lost five of their last six playoff games. If you're a Suns fan, in the last six playoff games, you've watched them lose five of them. Uh, last night was a winnable one, but specifically with the bench, Wolf. Ish Wainwright, seven minutes, no points. Josh Okogie on the bench, seven minutes, no points. Bismack, five minutes, two points. Jock Landale, eight minutes, four points. Terrence Ross, four minutes, zero points. Damian Lee didn't play. Campaign didn't play. TJ Warren didn't play. Landry Sham at 24 minutes, four points. Mm-hmm. That's, that all adds up to 10 points off your entire bench. Yeah, you know what's amazing about this, too? Um, it wasn't just the points. It was the fact the bench had attempted three attempts from the floor. Stop and think about this just for a minute. Three attempts from the floor. There was just over three minutes to go in the third quarter. So, so there was just over 15 minutes to go in the game of game time. And they had attempted three shots from the floor. Oh, my goodness. When I, when I saw that and heard that stat, I wrote it down immediately. And it just blew my mind because it was so indicative of what we were seeing. The fact that the bench got outplayed. And then I thought of Kendrick Perkins and what Kendrick Perkins was saying about the Phoenix Suns and their bench. I haven't heard Kendrick Perkins today. I'm guessing he's... Um not above saying I told you so. Taking a victory <laughs> lap, is that what you're saying? I mean, it's only one game, so maybe he it wasn't. It is only one. Uh, Tory Craig was was an interesting centerpiece of this game last night because he started, and he really hasn't been starting much lately. Josh Okoge had been, and then Okoge only played seven minutes. But Tory Craig put up 22 points, so it's hard to look at him and say any of it was really his fault, even though a lot of the game he was covering Kawhi, and Kawhi had 38. Here's Devin Booker on Torrey Craig's performance after the game. Yeah, I mean, he did great at, you know, just playing in that pocket. You know, if teams are going to play like that, you know, put fives on him, um, then he can just do like that. He played unbelievable tonight on both ends. Um, yeah, hell of a game by Torrey. Uh, there's Monty Williams and Torrey Craig as well. It was okay. I mean, when he was diving and getting to the basket, I mean, he scored tonight, which is great. But I still think we have to take advantage of D.A. size in those situations and have him screen. He's got a small guy on him, and then uh, he's screening a smaller guy. So if they want to put that guy on D.A., we can throw it to him or see if they help on the second side. But Torrey in the pocket wasn't bad tonight. He was okay. Yeah, he was. <laughs> that's, that's Monty's assessment. He's yeah, okay. he, he was. He was not bad right there. You know what? Honestly, uh, he mentioned Da once again, and I, all I can think of is DeAndre Ayton and Monty. So much of the time talking about playing with force, not only on the defensive end of the floor, where the Clippers really exploited the Phoenix Suns offensively, and that I mean by offensive boards for the Clippers. Um, I, I think of D.A. immediately and the physicality and the force that he needs to bring, not only on the defensive end of the floor for the Suns, but also on the other end of the floor. He's got to be able to do that. And um, I know he, he got some opportunities, and I thought he did well. I thought he did well with his opportunities offensively, but um, he's got to play with more certitude. Does that make sense? He's got to be more assertive, even more when he he makes those runs to the hoop. He's got to be more assertive and more aggressive. 
there there were times where he could have just one dribble on the on the ground and then slammed at home where he didn't do that. He tried to actually put up a, a, a nice little fluff shot, a little bunny shot, and he missed. You know, mm-hmm. and again, offensively, I didn't think he was bad, but he just needs to play. Everything that he does with force, and he'd be fine. Did start the game, or at least start the scoring for the Suns with a dunk. Um, but as far as the bench, all those numbers I just read you got you 10 points. Here's the Clippers bench Mason Plumley, 18 minutes, 7 points. Bones Highland, 13 minutes, 3 points. Terrence Mann, 24 minutes, 10 points. And Norman Powell, 23 minutes, 14 points. That's a bench right there. That, that, is, that is a playoff bench. Four guys played. It was not six. They played, but they didn't play like too much. Now, obviously, Powell is going to play a decent chunk. He played 23 minutes, and they gave you 34 points. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I don't want to oversimplify it, but the Clippers had four bench players, and they got them 34. The Suns had six, and they got them 10. There's no way that, that math is working in your favor. And, so, it, and it can't be that way going forward. So let's let's talk about going forward right now. What do you think Monty does with the rotation? What what do you think is going to happen? Are you going to take Tory Craig out of the starting lineup? Are you going to do that and reinsert Josh Akogi? Are you going to do? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, especially too, because I think he. I think this is just me. But I think he went with Torrey Craig because the Clippers have some longer wing players. Yeah. And I think he thought that was going to be a better matchup right there. I'm not saying he's wrong, um, but I wonder who is going to get more minutes. Is Landry Shamit going to lead the charge, so to speak, off the bench and get more minutes? I I don't know. But the rotation is a massive question mark going forward. Let me me play this. This is Monty explaining why he did didn't play a Kogi as much. Yeah, Tori and Ish have uh, you know done well against guys like that. Now nobody can stop uh, Kawhi, um, but at the same time, we feel like you know putting size on him gives you a chance. But they they screen the size off of him a lot, and so you're if you go back and hit him or blitz him, then you're in rotations. I mean, if you're gonna if they're gonna screen the size off of him, then I don't even really care so much who starts between those two. It was just kind of shocking to see a Kogi only play seven minutes. And so if you're talking about what the bench is going to look like tomorrow, it, to me it starts with are they just are they content with a Kogi only playing seven, eight minutes or whatever? Is campaign going to be healthy? <sighs> Do they want to play campaign? I, I mean, the, that's, that, that's the three questions to start with the bench are, what do you want? What's what's their hope for a Kogi? Do they want campaign to play and is he ready? And I don't know that Landry Shamit needs twenty four minutes, man. I, I know. I know he has it in him, but it's the playoffs now. If he doesn't do it, then he doesn't get those minutes until he starts doing it again. Yeah, I honestly, I it's campaign. It just is. <laughs> You okay? It's the back. I understand. It's the back. I'm not saying he's not injured, Basinonians. Understand that, please. Okay. But at the same time, why? How did it get so weird with campaign down the last month of the season? How did it get so weird? Where here? Here we are once again. And the playoffs have started, and campaign is not integral to what the Suns are doing. That's 
It's a great question. I, I don't know how to how to answer it because there are quite a few games where, if you look back over the last month or so, where he's playing like seven minutes, fourteen, thirteen, nine, you know, and so. That was your tune-up time to to have him ready to go for the playoffs. You can't do anything if he's hurt, but I'm just saying the 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 pattern for his minutes leading up to the playoffs kind of indicates what you just said that they don't see him as being that integral to the playoffs. Especially too when I read Monty's quote right here, he says, "I think when you have ball handlers like Cam out, it does take away from your team." just because of what he brings as far as pace and scoring ability and energy to the team. That's exactly what I think the Suns need, too. A little bit more pace to get down the floor before the Clippers set their defense. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Two years ago in the playoffs, the Suns handled adversity really well. Last year, not so much. Now they have their first loss with Kevin Durant on the floor. How do they respond to that adversity in Game 2? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. All right, Wolf, I'm looking back at the 2021 playoffs. Okay, just to kind of get a sense. And I'm not talking about, you know, Chris Paul getting hurt or those sort of ebbs and flows, but just, you know, just wins and losses. They were down 2-1 to the Lakers, came back and won that series. There really wasn't a whole lot of adversity against Denver. Yeah. Sons and four guys spoke, so it was. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the Clippers won game three, and then they won game five in those 2021 conference finals. The Suns bounced back with wins after all of them. So the only losses they had prior to Milwaukee going on that run in the finals were it was one loss to the Clippers, and then they won. Another loss to the Clippers, and they won. And then just the two losses to the Lakers in a row. The point is... They stopped the bleeding two years ago when things went wrong. Last year, I'm not even going to talk about it. You just Everybody remembers that they didn't stop the bleeding when things yeah. went wrong against Dallas. Yeah. So now we're going to get a sense of what this team can do and how they respond to adversity because they have some. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm not trying to poo-poo anything you just brought up right there. But I will say right now, with KD on your team, it changes the entire paradigm. Everything inside of that circle, everything inside of that locker room is different because Kevin Durant walked into it. So anytime you consider, you know, what's happened adversity wise and what has changed with the Phoenix Suns, everything is brand new. Almost literally, when you've only played, what is it? How many games now? Nine, nine. games? Is it nine? Yeah. <laughs> They're not even into double digits yet nope. with Kevin Durant in the lineup. It's truly amazing. Eight and one now with Kevin Durant, but he changes everything. Not only for himself, of course, but for everyone else inside that circle as well. The the Suns have to feel really, really good about themselves and had to feel really good about themselves going into the game yesterday at Footprint Center. Are you kidding me? We're the Phoenix Suns and we got KD. Ain't that something? Well, the Al McCoy cut that Eric just played in his update that's it. We don't know how good this team is. They don't know how good they are. Right. <laughs> I think part of learning it is how they respond to a loss. Bingo. That's exactly where I was getting to right now. This is 
How are you going to respond to a frying pan in the face? Because everything else was just, hey, we got KD and we're sailing right along here. We're doing okay. We all know that. And we are still the favorite, says FanDuel, okay, to win the West, even though we're As of an hour seed. ago, yeah. Okay, as, and we all know that changes. But still, you get my point. It's not like suddenly the, the Phoenix Suns are doubting themselves. They're not. But a precedent has been set. Make no mistake about it. And now we're going to find out who's tough. We're going to find out who's tough. Who lets that stuff run right off their back. Perseverance is so critical. Being able to endure is so critical to the success of a basketball team, let alone a professional athlete. It is so critical that you're able to do that. And now they're going to be given the opportunity to respond in front of the world to a less than ideal showing in game one. You know, you, you talk about how they've only had now nine games together and how that really isn't much. And, and the talk around Durant before he ever got here, and I think this is something people have seen on their own. You didn't have to hear it. But the talk was, you're going to be surprised how quickly he fits in with his new team. Wherever he goes, that's what he does. And it's true. He fit in right away here. I would say last night was the first time of those nine games where it didn't totally look like the Suns knew how to maximize Kevin Durant. You know, his, his scoring in the game last night is so weird. Zero in the first, 17 in the second, but then zero again in the third. Yeah. But then 10 again in the fourth, but they, they stopped getting him the ball in the, for basically the second half of the fourth quarter. It was like, here's Kevin Durant, you can't stop him. Now we're going to try and get some other guys involved. Yeah. But here's Kevin Durant, remember, you can't stop him, but now that the game's on the line, we're not going to get him involved. Right. <laughs> so, I, I don't know, maybe it's just one game, maybe it's just the weirdness of one game, but the problem is now you're at the part of the year where one game changes so much. Yeah, and, you know, once again, this is part of a, this is a team coming together. This is part of the process. It is. Adversity. How do you handle success? And guess what? Success is very dangerous as well. It's something, Grand Hill's mom, don't fear failure, fear success. That's what she told Grand Hill all the time, because success will change you. That's got its own pitfall. It's great advice. Right yes. now, I would like to have some success and see how we handle it. <laughs> but it's so true. I'm willing to take my chances. It's part of it. It's, it's about coming together as a team, and it's supposed to be hard. I was talking about this earlier. It's, it's going to be hard. You have to prepare your mind for it to be difficult. My young crunk brothers, no matter what level you're competing at, it's supposed to be hard. There's somebody trying to stop you or keep you from doing your job or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. It's going to be hard going forward. you got to prepare your mind. And some of the toughest, some of the models you want inside that locker room will be letting others know, this is what I'm all about. You better believe it. This is what I'm about. Adversity and walking through it. I, I Oh, man, it, it just brings up the hair on the back of my neck. Because even though I didn't have a lot of success as a team based Onions, there are so many guys that I played with. So many guys that I played with that, man, they had a lot of success walking through your crud. 
<laughs> walking through everybody else and the adversity that was in front of them. Even though they didn't help us go out and beat teams, they went out there and they didn't lose games. They went out there and drove dudes into the ground and did it with malice and got up and told them about it. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. What are you about, Devin Booker? What are you about, CP3? What are you about? Watch me. See, that's what a professional athlete does. That's what a real competitor does. Watch this. Watch me walk through this. That's what I get excited for, for the guys inside that locker room. Booker, after the game, they asked him if if losing game one feels any different. Again, that group, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, they were 6-0 and in game ones going into yesterday. I mean, it's just a series, you know. Um, I mean, as you guys know, I've been up 2-0, you know, and lost it. Um, so I feel like I've seen pretty much every scenario as it goes to count except losing the first one. But, you know, we'll respond next game and, you know, it'll be fun. What you just said, Wolf, to me is what sports are all about, right? Where you're going to have you're going to have adversity, and then it's the great the greats respond, and they they almost punish you for making them go through adversity, right? right? I mean that's that's what the truly greats do. That's what I just heard D Book say right there, in a very D Book smoldering <laughs> kind of way, kind of a level right at the yeah. end, right there. You know, yeah, okay, so we lost game one, you know, and just here comes game two. But I think for the fans at this point, you got to see it because last year they didn't respond. You got to respond. Uh, score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket 620-620. Register and listen for your name today during the noon, which is already passed in the 5 o'clock hours, for your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets to see the Suns. Take on the Clippers tomorrow night. It's kind of a big game. So go ahead and text ticket to 620-620. We come back. Russell Westbrook, he was the X Factor in Game 1. Who's the Suns X Factor in Game 2? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. All right, we haven't even played this cut yet, Wolf. I just want to play it. Devin Booker after the game. No excuses in basketball. Okay. Uh, no excuses now. Um, you know, it's that time of year. You know, if you're not up and ready for these, and you know, you're playing the wrong sport. Just wanted to play it. Just felt smoldering. Appropriate. There it is right there. That's why I love Book. You know, he always tells the truth. He does. Um, it's one of the things you have to be able to do, and no excuses whatsoever. It's go time, and you just love his attitude and his competitive fire, especially as a former professional athlete. A man, I I really loved guys who were like Book, built like Book, who went out. They didn't care what it was. They didn't. They didn't care what the situation was. They were going to give you their best. Because that's exactly what you, meaning your opponent, deserved. Yeah. No, and you have confidence that Devin Booker's not going to be rattled because he doesn't get rattled. Now, you know, sometimes he gets into it with the officials, but he doesn't get rattled. And I think most players get into it with the officials in the NBA. Um, but, but I think he's really got to get on top of that, Luke. Yeah, but I, I did think he was better with it yesterday, don't you? 
I do. Um, was a, I guess there was a couple. But there was, a, there was a couple where it just seemed to bother him a little bit. Yeah. But I, I do believe he's got to improve that part of his game, just getting on top of that. Part of me looks at that game yesterday and says, you know, we spent a good chunk of the show today, and I've, and I've heard other people having conversations like this. Of, Man, you know, they they got to get more from, from Booker offensively late in the game. Or, you know, why isn't Kevin Durant? Why it, it, In my mind, why aren't they getting KD the ball in the last nine minutes? But I know that the, the push from the other side is why isn't KD demanding the ball? Whatever. They did score. They combined for 53 points yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I guess... <laughs> that could be considered relatively low for Booker and Durant to combine for 53 points, but they did combine for 53 points. By the way, Maloney was the only one to pick Kevin, and he won by one in Kevin or Devin. Oh, so okay, yeah. there you go. I wish they would have came in a win. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It felt like there were no winners yesterday. Yeah. Um, what is the X factor? Well, what is the X factor going forward, and who is the X factor? For the Phoenix Suns. Look at you just driving us right I, back you know on what? track. I just wanted it. <laughs> I wanted this so bad. All right, well, then, so let's do that. Because we talked about Russell Westbrook earlier, and, you know, good for him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Ross, that's hey, great. Yeah, it's great, yeah. You were the X-Factor. It's oh, amazing. It was one game. Um, hopefully you're not the X-Factor for the whole series, or that could be a problem. Who's the, the Suns X-Factor in game two? And the rules here for the segment, Wolf, you can pick anybody. Yeah. you just got to give a reason for it. Okay, good. Um, so we'll start with Mel. Right? I'm involved saying? in this? Yes, why not? You, you never even um, gave her any warning. How about this right here? Who is the X-Factor, Aaron Maloney, also known as Mel? I would say D.A. 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 the X-Factor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because well. when D.A.'s on... The whole team okay. seems to be on. Okay, there you go. DA, the X. Good pick and what good reason. I was going to go a little more under the radar, but I, I can't even figure out who to pull off the bench and be like, oh, this guy. It's like I kind of thought Terrence Ross for a second. Maybe they'd let him shoot the ball and play more than the four minutes because Monty did suggest that. And then I looked around and you know who it is? It's Monty. Monty. Wow. Figure out these rotations. Okay, that You've was good. Got twenty you got about twenty seven hours to figure it out. Twenty six hours now. Okay, birthday boy. How about you? Rick, it's your birthday. Are we Happy sing birthday to, him? to you. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to Okay, Rick, you get it. We love you. <laughs> um We didn't join in on the singing though. What? X Factor has to be DA. Uh, DA. He's, really? He's just he's gotta be physical. He's gotta yeah. step up. He's gotta he's gotta okay. not allow the other team, the Clippers, to get offensive rebounds. That was the thing that I noticed. They were getting so many offensive rebounds because he was kind of just standing there. Yeah. See, see, for me, once again, when I say X-Factor, I, I think more of somebody in the weeds. So like Terrence speak. Ross would be okay, in the weeds. In they the buried weeds. him on the bench. That's exactly right, right <laughs> there. And again, I'm not saying you're wrong, Rick. I'm just saying I get it. Some people's definition of X-Factor is a little bit different. Well, and to be fair, DA is a human X-Factor. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's right. So. Y- yes, uh, I, I get that. See, but for me, based on needs, I'm going to go... Josh Akogi, the X Factor. Why, why do I say that? For a lot of the same reasons that I think what we saw from Russell Westbrook last night. The fact that all of a sudden, here's a guy, and I'm not saying Josh Akogi is known for his prolific offensive scoring the way Russell Westbrook has been throughout his career. He is not. But to me, this series is going to be a C. It's going to be a sea of physicality. And I think Josh Akogi swims in that sea really, really well. 
And I think he needs to play more than seven minutes. I want to see him back. I'll take him back in the starting lineup. Let's just see what happens there. He may not be as good of a matchup, but the thing about Josh Okogi is... He is physical, and he doesn't mind the physicality, and he's not afraid in any way, shape, or form, and he can knock down the three from time to time. Where's his confidence level? I don't know. Monty knows that, and the coaching, the coach's staff, the coaching staff knows that so much better than I do, but this is going to be a very physical series, and Josh Akogi swims in that Series C, if you know what I mean. I like that pick, and I thought about him, and that's ultimately why I settled on Monty, because I was like, but if he only plays seven minutes, what can Josh Okogie really do? Now, I know I said earlier in the show it's dangerous to go with stats for the Suns or the Clippers prior to the playoffs because yeah. they've been so different. But here's Josh Okogie's last two games against the Clippers, okay? Uh, February 16th, 24 points, five rebounds, three steals. Okay. I did not know that. And the last game of the season, which again, you know, guys in and out of the lineup, but 13.7 rebounds, three assists, two steals. And the only reason I'm even looking at those is because who on the Suns is most likely to come out of nowhere and post the stat line that Russell Westbrook did yesterday of 9, 11, 8 with two steals and three blocks? I don't know that Kogi's going to give you all of that, but... If he plays, couldn't you see, like, hey, Akogi got him 10 and 7 and 3 steals and a block? <laughs> right? I mean, he's just, been doing I, it. I just, I don't know. I, I think of Josh Akogi and I think of the physicality and the way that he just seems to wrap that physicality around him and sleep, if you will. He's a guy that I think could be integral to the Suns going forward, not just this series, which, again, I think the Suns will win. It's going to be a longer series than a lot of people thought, but I think they will ultimately win it. But going forward as well, I think Josh Akogi, I'd like to see more. I don't disagree with that. I I, I don't know if Monty's going to play him more, but he really he fits the bill of a guy that will just come in and play crazy and basically be a version of what Westbrook was, except he won't take 19 shots if he's only going to make The only thing I wonder about is, do they look at him and think, he, he's a little wild horse every now and then, if you know what I mean. I need that. Yeah, a little crazy sometimes. Alright, thanks Darren Maloney behind the glass. Thanks to Rick. It is Rick's birthday. Happy birthday, Rick. Uh, for Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.